Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Luke John-Louis, the host of the Deep Voice Man Show. Thanks for joining us today. Our guest today is uh, Jason Wright, and uh, he is the founder and CEO of Intentionally Inspirational, uh, a digital uh, marketing agency. Uh, they help business owners and entrepreneurs design, build, and optimize their sales funnels uh, and engage contacts and prospects and build uh, their list. Uh, so essentially they get uh, entrepreneurs more emails, more engagement, and ultimately, obviously, higher sales and revenue. Uh, so he helps entrepreneurs automate their marketing uh, through platforms like ClickFunnels and ActiveCamp and Zapier. Uh, these are the platforms he utilizes, and he's going to talk to us a little bit more about that, of course. And you know, digital marketing obviously is very broad and complex for a lot of entrepreneurs, so he's able to translate it into uh, everyday language and vernacular uh, for them, which is great. <laughs> so um, he's a very busy man, so we're very fortunate to have him here. He was able to carve up time, sit down and have a chat with us, so we are very grateful. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, Jason. I guess to start off, can you talk to us about your background and how you first gravitated towards doing what you do today? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here, man. So uh, kind it. of funny. I was in uh, corporate America, and uh, it didn't take a whole lot for me to realize that it wasn't for me long term. Uh, I just mm -hmm. like having control over my time. I just like having creative freedom to get to you know mm. from where I am to, the, to where I want to go. And it's really, really important to me. Like without those things, I, I kind of feel dead inside, right? It's just not, life's not real fulfilling. So um, mm -hmm. five years ago when I you know, started off this journey, I had no idea I would end up where I am now. So it wasn't really well planned out. It was kind of a, mm -hmm. a series of uh, big <laughs> failures and pivots. But first time I quit corporate America, um, like I said, was about, Oh man, uh, three, nah, about four years ago, four and a half years ago, something like that. I just told my wife, mm -hmm. I was like, hey, I'm going to start these neighborhood magazines. <laughs> and I had found this opportunity that I wasn't passionate about, but I thought I could make enough money to replace my income. So I said, hey, I think we have enough savings mm -hmm. for six months. Let's, let me take the leap and do this full time and uh, you know, make the same 80K a year I'm making now for myself. I said, I think it'll take me about three months <laughs> to work up to that monthly figure necessary to hit 80k and long mm -hmm. story short right. i ran out of money in about two months um didn't make any money doing the magazines because i quit uh, i quit because i didn't like to, i didn't want to mm -hmm. do it. it wasn't my business it was uh, permission to sell under somebody else's mm -hmm. name so no passion there for me uh it was a really hard lesson because mm -hmm. here i am no benefits no income you know family friends neighbors mm -hmm. saying i told you so Mm. Um, go back, go get a job, wow. dummy, which made me, you know, more focused on trying to be successful. So I said, man, I've got to mm. figure out something to do online to make money. I just don't know what it is. So I came up with mm. this name intentionally inspirational. And I said, I don't know what it means yet, but it's going to help me. Um, it's going to help me change my mm. life and change the life of other people. So I started off writing blogs and that type of thing, encouraging people to quit the nine to five, mm. even though I hadn't done so successfully myself. Eventually I had to go back mm. to corporate America and started figuring out a little bit about digital marketing. And I remember I was on Upwork one mm. day uh, looking for blog and content jobs, and I started noticing other mm. people were looking for help. 
with ClickFunnels, with ActiveCampaign, a couple of these platforms I just taught mm-hmm. myself, and they were willing to pay good money for some basic stuff. So wow. I started doing a little bit of that. It was kind of, I would tell people like, hey, I don't know how to do this, but I know where to find the answers. So I'm willing to put in the work to get what you need done. Mm-hmm. And people were okay with that. You know, it's just mm-hmm. very upfront. And uh, over time, I started to realize that, hey, there's okay. uh, enough of a demand that I can uh, mm. I can do this full-time. So I've been doing what I do now uh, full-time about three years now. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. That's an incredible story. You were able to kind of make that leap from employee to entrepreneur. Obviously, it was a little shaky in the beginning. It's real <laughs> shaky. You know, my hat <laughs> is off to you. Yeah, yeah. I could imagine. It's a tight rope, and you kind of fell off once or twice, <laughs> but got back on, and yep. that's amazing. Uh, and also, uh, you know, so congrats on that, and, again, obviously for your wife, she had to kind of stick through that and stick with you and, and also have to go through this sort of stressful time, and you sort of had to have that thick skin to kind of shake off the naysayers and uh, the, the, the other folks and whatnot who were, um, who were down on you for what you were trying to accomplish. And I think that's incredible. And if you think about it, there's a lot of people who feel the same way you do, uh, wanting time freedom, particularly if they're married and they have kids and they want to ha- be involved in their kids' lives. And, yep. and so, but you, you were able to accomplish that and, and actually do it. Uh, and you know, so many people feel the same way, even though they may not say it out loud, that they want to leave the 9-to-5 world. And I'm a, I'm a member of that group. I don't want to go back to the nine to five world. That's part of the reason why I started this podcast <laughs> is to do something Smart. off on my own. Yeah. And but um, I think you said before that a lot more people are interested in doing this. And uh, and you've tried to encourage people to do this through your blog, which I think uh, that you have, which is amazing. Um, that's incredible. And so yeah, my, um, you my views on how you yeah. should go about do it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, my no views on how people should go about doing it have changed. So when I did it the first time, I would tell people, just quit your job and, and figure it out on the way down. It's terrible advice. Right. Uh, the best thing you can do is what you're doing now. You know, Keep the job to pay your bills, mm-hmm. but in all of your spare time, you work on your own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason mm-hmm. why is why would you take more risk than necessary? There's no gain to that. Right. Nobody cares. Like You think, right. oh, it's going to make me – you know, extra cool to my friends. Well, honestly, your friends don't care. Once you're a successful entrepreneur and people realize right. that you're not going to lose everything you have, as sad as it sounds, they kind of stop mm. paying attention. So um, mm. starting the side hustle is a great thing. And then we can get to a point where the side hustle is, you know, matching that mm. full-time income and you really are passionate. Mm. That's when you start mm. planning your exit. So that's the advice I would give wow. a younger version of myself based on my own experience. <laughs> you know, no theory here. Wow. That's amazing. And you, so you started off with, the, obviously, the magazine, and you didn't really have a passion for it. It, it wasn't something you actually cared about. And no. It wasn't really your own company, too. It was essentially someone else's firm, so to speak. So you weren't really, I would say, a full entrepreneur. Or, or maybe I'm wrong to say that, but it wasn't You're not wrong. About. Yeah. You're not <laughs> wrong. It was, it was probably easier to describe as more of, a, more of a franchise model, I would say. Oh, okay. Got it. And, yep. But you wanted to do your own thing, and you, and you accomplished that, obviously. And obviously there were some hard lessons in the beginning, but my understanding is this is actually typical for entrepreneurs, that there's actually oh, yeah. a lot of um, failure in the beginning. 
and so that's not that's not unusual. Um, I I always used to, uh, and I still do this, refer people to the story of the guy who founded Domino's Pizza. It's <laughs> it's a great story. It's uh, this guy went from failure to failure, you know, filing for bankruptcy, but he made it. Everyone knows what Domino's is today, uh, and so that's that's fairly typical. So. Uh, it's interesting that, you know, when you get on that tightrope, you fall a couple of times, but the key is you got back on it. Right. And, uh, yep. I was interviewing another guest, right. And he told me that there's no such thing as failure. Uh, uh failure doesn't really exist. There's only a such thing as, uh, learning experiences. And, you know, so there's no failure, but learning experiences. Obviously you learn from the, the hiccups and, and the dropping from the tightrope and whatnot. Um, I guess you only really fail if you go down and you just stay down, which you didn't do. You didn't give up. You didn't. Uh, you essentially left corporate America for good. I mean, you left twice, but you, obviously you're not going to go back. And so that's amazing. I think that's an incredible story, and it's an inspiration to others who uh, want to do the same thing. Maybe they're not going to do it through marketing like you did, but maybe maybe they can make a franchise work. Who knows? Or they can do something else like MLM or whatnot or real estate. Um, but you're suggesting that people don't quit their jobs right away, uh, like like you did, and you don't have to take on more risk than necessary. But keep the job, and then to pay the bills, but then have that side hustle and work off that. Um, that's amazing. Uh, now, some people would say that if you quit your job, that puts you in a mindset where you have to make it work. Where you probably heard the story about the burning of the boats and whatnot, yep. and <laughs> and when your back's against the wall. Uh, but you're suggesting that that kind of risk isn't necessary and that a person could still do it on the side, which I believe to be true. Uh, you still want to have that roof over your head and whatnot, and you don't know how long it's going to take. So I, I definitely agree with that. Um, now, uh, I'm curious, um, you work in digital marketing and whatnot, and now obviously, as you know, uh, it, unless someone's been living under a rock, obviously we've been dealing with some tough times in the business world. Uh, with the pandemic and whatnot, I'm curious. Uh, how would you describe the state of of business and marketing right now, and what challenges has the pandemic posed? Yeah, it's interesting. I was uh, talking to a client and a fellow entrepreneur yesterday about this. Um, the mm-hmm. business has changed for me. Like a year ago, I was doing, I was really ramping up uh, local lead mm. gen just as a little piece of the business for uh, dentist office. Um, and I was, I was focused specifically on dental implants, and I was getting some mm-hmm. great traction with that. And it's going to really scale that little sliver of the business. And then when COVID hit, nobody could go to the dentist anymore, so it shut all that down overnight. So I was like, okay, wow. uh, like we won't be running ads for a while. And you know, that was a big hit. But the, the good thing is, is I don't just have one focus in the business or one income stream. So we've got six mm-hmm. income streams, and people were still doing – marketing last year, but there was a bigger interest in strategy, right? There was a bigger interest in mm. lower and mid-ticket stuff. And the high-ticket mm-hmm. stuff, from what I've seen, the high-ticket stuff still hasn't totally recovered. Mm. So, And I think that is, you know, people have the money, they see the value, but they're like, is now the mm. right time or should I wait a little longer? So uh, there's definitely mm. some hesitation with some of the bigger-ticket stuff that I do that I've seen. But you mm-hmm. just have to find ways to package the value you already know you sell in different ways. So mm-hmm. um, I, I still think businesses are, you know, there's a lot of businesses that blew up during the pandemic. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, what goes mm-hmm. down for some goes up for others. 
I've got some friends that do uh, online coaching for fitness stuff, and their business has exploded. Wow. Some, some people that, wow. you know, did absolutely um, just unbelievable amounts of revenue. So, um, wow. you know, they say that every time there's a, a challenge like that economically, it benefits some and hurts most. But yeah. um, it, it makes you savvy. It makes you say, okay, if this thing's not working, what else can I – what else can I do still in my lane and still deliver value? So it keeps you on your toes. Right. Uh, I think business and marketing, I think uh, business will improve between now and the end of the year. That's my gut. I think that uh, mm. people will start investing more heavily in marketing as well. So I'm already starting to see some signs mm. of that. So I think it's good stuff to come. Wow. And that's amazing. And that's incredible. Obviously, um, during tough times, some people do well and some people kind of suffer. But I think the key thing is, um, as you did, you had to adapt. And uh, obviously one stream wasn't working so well, but you had other income streams to kind of focus on, which is amazing. And, uh, and so, you know, they say with crisis comes opportunity. And I think it was Winston Churchill who said that uh, never waste a good crisis cause, or, or, uh, because yep. it's an opportunity. And so – it's amazing. Uh, and obviously some businesses blew up, which is great. And uh, during the Great Depression, a lot of great businesses were actually created during that time. So a tough time doesn't necessarily have to be tough or permanently bad for a business. And, you know, with, um, they say that life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond. And Absolutely. For business owners, right. And for guys like you who, who did well, who uh, had to pivot and adapt and change the sales uh, chain, you know, when the wind blew it in another direction, you sort of had to convert and, and pivot and whatnot. So uh, that's great uh, because you were doing the local gen uh, generation for dental, uh, for dentists, and <laughs> that, that went south. And so, you know, when life gives you lemon, you make lemonade, you just win another route. And so that's amazing. And so, um, again, my hat is you, off to you. Uh, you know, what's funny is, is that actual piece of the business is back with a vengeance. I had a few people reach out to me, even though I swore it off. I'm like, hey, wow. we want to get it going again. <laughs> I was like, all right. So I took yeah. a look at the sales funnel that I built for them, and my knowledge has increased a lot the last year. So we're actually getting uh, unbelievable results right now, and it's, it's very likely wow. that I will scale that piece of my business and kind of rinse and repeat because we have a model that works extremely well, uh, all the way from the ads to getting people in the chair. Really, really fun stuff, exciting stuff. Wow. So that's amazing. So uh, you were able to actually get back to that uh, when it, with the dental uh, practices, and, and now yep. your knowledge actually increased over the years. And so that's oh, amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, and so, you know, they always say the comeback uh, is better, is always stronger than the setback. And <laughs> You're living proof of that with uh, with helping out the dentist, and uh, I'm I'm full I'm full of a lot of corny cliches by the way, so uh, please bear with me. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, uh, I guess I'm, I'm done for that. Now, you talked about a little bit about what you think is going to happen in the near future between now and the end of the year, and you're um, being yeah. very um, optimistic about that. Um, but I guess stretching out a little further. Uh, Clearly, uh, as the vaccine distribution ramps up and uh, there's going to be a world where the pandemic either goes away uh, mostly or completely goes away, and hopefully it comes sooner rather than later, uh, where do you see things going uh, with business and marketing, I, mean, I guess digital marketing in, in the future, and where do you see yourself in that future? 
Yeah, good questions. Um, I think so. I'm, I'll be 40 in August. I don't think the demand for digital marketing will ever go down in my lifetime. I think it'll only increase because marketing mm-hmm. is simply what? Building relationships, grabbing and holding attention, right? Communicating with people, mm-hmm. even if it's one-way mm-hmm. communication in the beginning. Because a lot of times people mm-hmm. will watch you and you don't know they're watching you, but it's never going to stop. You know, Some of the platforms mm-hmm. may change, but the, the fundamental – uh, need for it's never going to change. So for that mm-hmm. reason, I think it's a great business to be in. It's a great business to pay attention to because of that demand. Mm-hmm. And like you said at the beginning mm-hmm. of the show, digital marketing in itself is incredibly broad. The beauty of that mm-hmm. is you can go incredibly narrow with it if you want to. And that's really what I've mm-hmm. done. I've, I've niched down by platform saying, if you want to work with me in these areas, we're doing it my mm-hmm. way or we're not doing it at all. And the reason I do that is because, you know, my team and I are so strong in the specific platforms we use, it doesn't make any sense for us to invest mm-hmm. the necessary thousands of hours of time and research learning new stuff. So mm-hmm. um, there, there's a lot of different routes you can go, which is part of the excitement. I would say do what mm-hmm. interests you and stay away from what doesn't. And uh, I, I just mm-hmm. think it's a really strong uh, field to pay attention to. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine. Marketing is very exciting right now. And uh, and obviously you feel that in the future the demand will go up. Uh, I agree oh, yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, there's always a need for marketing, and the Internet I don't think is going to go away. If anything, it's going to expand. So, yeah, yep. <laughs> I, could, I could definitely see it going up. And it's interesting you mentioned that you kind of focus on a niche uh, within digital marketing, which is very broad. Because obviously with digital marketing you have pay-per-click, you have Google ads, Facebook ads, you have SEO, uh, website design, email marketing, and uh, I'm guessing your niche is you focus on uh, the sales funnel, click funnels. I guess email marketing, if I'm correct, uh, is your niche. Um, yeah, it's all the above. Yeah. And the way that I explain the sales funnel, because some people listening might be like, what the heck's a sales funnel? It, there's kind of three <laughs> parts to it, right? Part one is traffic. Mm-hmm. How are people going to find your landing page, your website, your offers? Uh, we use a mix mm-hmm. of organic strategy, and we do paid uh, Facebook ads management. So that's what we do with traffic. For the front end of the funnel, for the pages we actually build, we use ClickFunnels specifically. On the back end, we mm-hmm. use Active Campaign, and we use a program called Sales Message, which is a two-way texting program that really, really plays well with Active Campaign. So we can set up beautiful multi-platform touch points mm-hmm. uh, across the back end to kind of nurture people forward to the next step of whatever your sales process is. Right? Is it getting mm-hmm. them in your shop? Is it getting them on the phone? So. We can mm. set all that up and, uh, you know, use Zapier where needed to make some connections where mm. platforms don't native, natively talk to each other and make a, some beautiful machines that do you know, mm. everything we're talking about, growing lists, building engagement, making sales, uh, setting mm. appointments, so all that good stuff. Wow. That's amazing. And um, so your strategy, again, is with the traffic. You have organic strategies to increase traffic to people's websites. You have, then you have the click funnel. And then you, um, you also specialize in um, text message marketing or SMS marketing. Uh, and yep. that's amazing. And um, so it's interesting that you've got it dialed down and you're laser focused on what you guys do. And uh, because obviously with digital marketing, a person can stretch themselves out real thin. <laughs> and, and so I think that's the danger for a lot of entrepreneurs because there's so much stuff. There's social media. There's this, is that, uh, so many uh, bright lights and, 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 and whatnot. And 
to distract, but you're laser focused. And as they say, um, you got it niched down. Um, they say that the riches are in the niches. <laughs> uh, again, yep. that's a corny cliche, but so true. <laughs> riches are in the niches. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's so, and for business owners, they have to realize that they're not for everyone. They have to focus on who the target customer is. I think before we start um, doing the show, you, you had requested what, who the, my target, target audience was. And yep. I believe I, ha- I told you the answer, and I, and I had it narrowed down because that's so important. And also for entrepreneurs to get who their ideal client is. Uh, and so many entrepreneurs make the mistake of not figuring out who that is. And so uh, and that's amazing um, that you help firms in this regard. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that, uh, obviously, as you probably already know, there's a high failure rate with businesses and that most businesses apparently fail within the first couple of years. I think it's very high, like 90%, if I'm not Yeah, mistaken. you're right. Over and 90, I believe, yeah. You, yeah. Oh, wow. And, um, and this is typical because obviously a lot of business owners will tend to fail. You mentioned that didn't work out and whatnot, but you learned from that. I'm curious, why do you think that is? Uh, is it um, because you don't know how to write? Or, uh, like, obviously you succeeded as a business owner. Uh, what advice would you give in terms of trying to turn this around? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'll answer a couple of things here. I think most people fail because they run out of time or they run out of money. And sometimes it's the same thing, right? Time might be a spouse says, hey, you have six months or you have a year to figure this out. So there may be a, mm-hmm. a finite timeline that way. Another piece of that is, hey, mm-hmm. I have X amount of money in the bank, and once the money's gone, I literally mm-hmm. have no, no income. That's the danger of not having a proven model before you step into mm-hmm. that space, right? But, uh, you know, it's advice I give my kids that really irritates them mm-hmm. about a lot of things in life. I'm like, if you don't like the outcome, try harder. They're like, it's not that simple. I'm like, it actually is. It mm-hmm. actually is. So if you're not failing – that's a litmus test telling you you're not trying very much stuff. You're not doing anything. You should be failing every day. And if you keep failing at the mm-hmm. same thing, eventually you're going to figure it out. Think about a toddler that goes from crawling to walking. That process is nothing but failure. But why do we think we can't go through that same process as we mm-hmm. get older? We're too proud. Mm-hmm. So uh, a big piece of advice I would give a younger version of myself, you'll notice I frame it that way a lot, is be patient because the timeline that it takes you to right. go full-time or reach whatever success you want is unknown. It's unknown. Mm-hmm. So if you say wow. you're passionate about doing what you're doing, prove it to yourself by your actions, by refusing mm-hmm. to get up, give up until you get there. Maybe it takes six months. Maybe mm-hmm. it takes 16 years. You'll find out when you get there. Mm. Wow. And that's so amazing. And, uh, you know, they say that, that, that grit, that uh, perseverance, what we're talking about, uh, is uh, one of the key distinctions among successful entrepreneurs, uh, the obviously not giving up, not quitting. Uh, you know, you look at uh, folks like uh, Sanders, uh, the guy who created KFC. Uh, he'll know, I think, a thousand <laughs> different times uh, yeah. for his uh, chicken recipe, but finally got a yes, and we all know what KFC is today. Um, and you, you find this kind of thing time and time again, this idea of perseverance and not giving up and succeeding until, uh, you know, you succeed. And, and so I guess, obviously, it's tough for a lot of folks when they're starting out a business. 
and uh, it's uh, you start off with a lot of dreams, and then you get hit with reality. And that, you mentioned that people usually run out of time or money, and uh, so that's why you talk about the importance of having that job in the beginning to kind of stabilize you. Uh, continue to work harder and harder, and that failure again. It's not really failure, but learning experiences, right? Um, and mm-hmm. people need to look at failure that way. Uh, so definitely, uh, I think that's incredible advice. Uh, thank you for sharing it. Now, um, here's the thing. Uh, you know, we often talk about how people have to, you know, what they need to, to succeed in business. But sometimes people get into this. A lot of people get into the entire business. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of um, entrepreneurs who who work in digital marketing, uh, who may do the same types of niches that you do, but not. And, and I'm curious, how how do you stand out, and what is your competitive advantage, or what makes differentiates you, and perhaps makes you better than some of the other guys who work in digital marketing? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I might offend some people out there in my industry with my answer, but that's their problem, not mine. So for one, I actually know what I'm talking about from experience. Uh, there's a lot of folks that hear about these white label opportunities that say, hey, I'm going to sell these services, and even though I have no idea how to do them, I'm just going to farm them out and then give the appearance of being the business owner that knows what he's doing. People, a lot of people do that, and they get the, mm-hmm. you know, the bright client that understands that space that asks them the questions they can't answer. They kind of expose themselves. So mm-hmm. uh, we speak from a place of experience and not from theory. That's one big thing. When we look at active campaigns specifically, I've worked in hundreds of accounts. I've been a certified consultant with them for three years plus. I've got mm-hmm. over 100 reviews uh, on Upwork, and I'm top rated for my work with all the stuff we're talking about, ClickFunnels, Facebook ads, mm-hmm. and active campaign. So I've got the social proof. I've put in the time. I've got a great guarantee. If I build you something, if I do the architecture for your, your marketing automation, it doesn't work, mm-hmm. let me know so I can mm-hmm. fix it. I don't care how much time's gone by. So I stand behind mm-hmm. my work. Right. I do what I say I'm going to do, and you know we don't over, we we underpromise and overdeliver honestly. So I've got mm. um, no big challenge getting new business, and uh, you mm. know, always tell people if if you can find somebody better in the world uh, at what I do, let me know. I'd love to meet him because I've never met him. So sounds pretty <laughs> confident, but unless somebody proves me differently, I'm sticking with it because it's true and it works. Definitely, and so that's amazing. Um, you know, that uh, you basically have that track record and have that experience. And unlike a lot of other marketers who basically, they may not know what they're talking about. They may be newbies or starting from scratch. You you said you worked with hundreds of accounts. Uh, oh, yeah. And that's amazing. And and so you have that experience under your belt. You mentioned earlier that you always told clients the truth. That uh, if yeah. they may not have known something, but you, you, you told you hard and you had that mentioned before the advice try harder um, and so that's amazing yeah. Yeah. one piece of so, advice you know, I'll throw say, out there as well sure one piece of advice I'll throw out there is a lot of people will tell you fake it till you make it it's horrible advice mm-hmm. for every avenue in life horrible advice wow here's a wild idea be authentic be transparent mm. earn the knowledge that you get don't don't fake it till you make it fake testimonials Mm. fake dollar amounts, all that stuff, it's going to come back to haunt you, right? I, right. I, my moral fabric's too thick to do that stuff and lay my head on my, my pillow at night and feel good about my life. So 
It's not the way I would mm-hmm. roll, and I would encourage everybody listening, step up and be a person mm-hmm. of integrity and do, do it that way. Definitely. Uh, they've told the truth. And, you know, it's, it's, it's great advice because we find this often in sales. Uh, a lot of folks will get by by being dishonest or being unethical. Um, and, and they can get by for a while, but it does catch up to them. You know, obviously, you know, the lies catch up to them. There are ways to figure out when reviews are fake or whatnot. And people are so skeptical now of the things they hear, uh, particularly from marketers, because a lot of marketers promise the world and then they don't deliver. And so yeah, it's one of those things where if you don't get results from a marketer, they still get their money. But, you know, a lot of, so a lot of business owners have been screwed and scammed by, by marketers. But obviously that's not the case with you. Um, you, have, you mentioned that you have these great reviews and you've helped folks. You, you essentially said that you under-promise and over-deliver, which I think is great advice. I've heard it a thousand times, but I think it's so true. Um, and if something's not working, they can come back to you and you can figure it out and whatnot. And so that's great. And so, um, so I can see why you um, can stand apart from other marketers. You have that integrity, which unfortunately is lacking with a lot of marketers and whatnot. And so that's amazing. Uh, so here's the thing. I, I, I can see that you have helped a lot of people. You've helped a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs and whatnot when it comes to increasing their revenue and their bottom line. Um, can you tell us any of the most moving or entertaining stories from your life or career? It's an interesting question. Uh, I'd like to think we have a lot of fun doing what we're doing, not only with uh, our own internal team, but with our clients. So uh, every day is full of laughter. So um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I have one particular story, but uh, just getting to, to work with and know the people that I do is just a lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of entertainment there. It's nice being in an environment. Mm-hmm where I can laugh, where I can talk about what I want to. You know, that, that's one of the things that you can't really put a price on, uh, you know, being able to work from home. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you can laugh hard mm-hmm. and laugh often uh, and even have a beer yeah. in the morning if you want to on camera yeah. with a new client, right? Make your own rules. It, it's really, really uh, right. enjoyable and right. it goes a long way in, in fighting the stress and everything that, that goes along with life in general. So. Uh, from a high level, I would just mm-hmm. say, you know, the experience of, of being location independent is in itself a big, uh, a big mm-hmm. block of entertainment. So, like anything else, it, it wow. is what you, it is what you make it. So, wow, that's amazing. And and obviously, since you're the boss, you get to set the culture and you get to laugh <laughs> as hard as you want, and you can have this family environment with uh, with the people you work with which is amazing. And you talked before about when you were an employee, you weren't really happy because obviously you didn't have that time freedom. I could tell you're a guy that doesn't like to be controlled. Uh, (laughs) And you wanted, and so you, but you also wanted, you talked about the importance of that time freedom. And I think that's so critical. And I think a lot more and more people are um, beginning to understand the importance of time freedom. And it's interesting how a lot of people may have laughed at you at first or may have criticized you at first, but you stuck with it. And now I think you're ahead of the curve uh, because a lot more people, I think, are going to jump ship from the nine-to-five world and do what you're doing uh, and, and be an entrepreneur and whatnot. I, I think I can see the trend coming, but you are ahead of the curve. And I think there will be a time when people will quit their jobs or get a side hustle so they can leave their jobs later on, uh, which you suggest. 
and that won't be seen as abnormal. I think there will be a time when that will sort of be the trend and that will be seen as a normal thing. Um, I think you see that coming with the blog and, and the, the response you got from your blog that you talked about earlier. Um, and do you see that trend coming, or is it, uh, do you think it's a long way off? Or I don't think it's a long way off at all. I mean, a lot of people that still do work for somebody that I know of, uh, ever since COVID hit, or have been working from home, yeah. and they've said, hey, good news. My employer says I don't ever have to come back into the office because they realize it's cheaper this way and everybody's more productive and there's no point. So I think yeah. that remote work, whether it's for you or for somebody else, is going to be mm. the world that all of us know, you know, way, way sooner than later. So are there some mm. jobs that require you to go in? Yeah. Dentist office, doctor, yeah. like that stuff will never go away. But <laughs> banking, it wouldn't surprise me if, if mm. banking was all, you know, virtual or digital at some point, you know, where it's uh, all mm. cryptocurrency based. There's no reason to, to go into a mm. branch, that type of stuff. So, mm. you know, I didn't tell you this, but at the worst um, the worst commute, like the job I had with the worst commute, I was driving over two hours a day just to and from work. Oh my God. And what would drive me crazy is I was like, man, in, in a week, I'm literally losing, I forget, I think it was 12 hours a week in just drive time. Wow. I was like, if I just had that 12 wow. hours to work on my business, I could be working for myself full time quicker. But now I have to work harder and longer to make up that wow. time. So. That drove me nuts, but the thing that, that really broke my back in the corporate world was the lack of creative freedom. For example, hey, Jason, uh, this is where we are with whatever. Here's the goal I want you to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Instead of somebody just saying, go accomplish it, they tried to micromanage the process. You have to let people own their process so they have buy-in and creative freedom. With them. If you take that away, it just kills them inside. Wow. Absolutely kills them. So. And I would tell people, like, hey, I want more responsibility. You don't have to pay me more. You don't have to change my title. Just let me do this because it's a big weakness in our company, mm. and I can help you. And they would never let me do it, which makes no sense at all. Right. Wow. That's amazing. That's crazy. You had to commute over two hours, and yep. I'm, I'm guessing you didn't get the right amount of sleep. <laughs> uh, I'm no. almost sure of it. And, you know, they talk about the – yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Um, they talk about the dangers of long commutes, actually, and how it's harmful to people's health and how it's growing lifespans. And, you know, I can go on and on and on about it and how when people work 40 hours a week in an office, it actually makes them dumber. It lowers their IQ, believe it or not, when people do these long eight-hour work. But, you know, obviously working from home makes it a little better. But, uh, yeah, so I think definitely something's got to change. I think um, more and more people obviously are going to stay working from home. It's never going to go back to the way things were pre-pandemic. Obviously, it's going to be a new normal. And people actually tend to work longer hours when they're at home. So I think a lot of employers see that. And it saves a lot of time, like you mentioned, and money. And so, yeah, these two-hour commutes, I, I've heard horror stories like that, and that is crazy. And obviously, with corporate America, it tends to be very strict and mechanical and structured. So you, it doesn't allow you that creative freedom, like you mentioned. And I think a lot of people who are working in corporate America are miserable. Uh, but you were able to do something about it. You didn't complain about it. You focused on the solution, and you got yourself out of there, which is amazing. And I'm sure your family's more appreciative to see you more at home and not, you know, driving two hours to and from work. <laughs> so um, absolutely, you know, that's amazing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And but you also do what you enjoy. You talk about laughing, the laughter that uh, you get, you get to engage in and whatnot. 
And, you know, they say when you, when, you, when you have a job you love, that you enjoy, you never have to work a day in your life. And I think um, that is where you're at right now, uh, which is amazing. And uh, so my hat is off to you. I'm trying to get to where you're at in terms of being able to work from home, to work from anywhere. So my goal is to travel the world and whatnot. And if I do ever have a family, just like you, I'm able to have a, be a strong presence in raising kids raising the children, which I think is so important. And I think that's the big motivation for a lot of working people is to be there for their kids so they don't have to miss out on, you know, baseball games, soccer games or whatnot. And uh, so, yeah, um, definitely my my hat is off to you. And so uh, I'm curious, obviously, um, as an entrepreneur, uh, particularly in the beginning, um, there is an importance uh, uh, given to networking and building relationships. And um, obviously you want to get to the point, a point where you mostly rely on referrals or, uh, or solely rely on referrals. I'm sure you get a ton of referrals, of course. Um, and obviously this isn't just for entrepreneurs but job hunters, people who are looking for work. Uh, they say networking is important. Even if you have a job and you want to get a better job, uh, you know, if you don't like your job and realizing no job is secure so you still want to keep looking, what advice would you give to people when it comes to networking? I mean, it's not my quote, but somebody once said your your network is your net worth. So I think it's important. You know, mm-hmm. one conversation can change your life uh, with the right person, obviously. Can you imagine if mm-hmm. Elon Musk counted, you know, reached out to either one of us and said, hey, I've got an opportunity where you can be your own boss, but I'm going to give you this <laughs> this piece of business. I mean, we'd be things would be looking different a little bit a month from now, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's important. Um like anything else, you've got to you've got to draw the line somewhere. You don't want to network forty hours a week because networking, like doing that, because there's people that just network, 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 um, isn't actually making mm. you money. So, can networking lead to new business opportunities? Yeah, but you have to say, um, you know, how much how much can I do a week in that regard? Do you think of traditional networking? Mm-hmm. You know, a, a big mistake, mm. and I'm kind of going off topic here, but I think it's important. A big mistake uh, mm-hmm. new business owners make that you touched on earlier was the shiny object syndrome, right? Oh, look at this mm-hmm. thing, look at that thing. Uh, and they also they focus too much on everything being perfect. Imperfect action mm-hmm. is way more valuable and focus on sales first because if your business is mm-hmm. not generating revenue, you're going to be the next mm-hmm. uh, statistic for failure. You've got to make money. You've mm-hmm. got to. So mm-hmm. sales will cure everything too. If you have cash flow, you can invest in people and software and training and personal development. But if you have no money, none of those things are possible. So focus on selling and fulfilling and, uh, you know, networking where you can make sense. Take care of your clients. Take care of the people that pay you money because they can be some of the best referral network, uh, mm. best referral assets you ever get. Hmm. Well, that's great advice. And so you're telling people to be wary of not, uh, of not networking too much. And yep. obviously, uh, you know, network uh, with a modest amount of time, not overdoing it, but you still have to work on your business. And yep. uh, it's interesting. Um, you talk about the importance of cash flow. Now, you've probably heard stories about a lot of businesses that operate in the red for, like, years. Um, I'm guessing you're not a fan of that. You prefer that when people start a business that they, they're making money, that they're in the black, not in the red. <laughs> that, and, and, and that is possible, right? And so do you think a business should survive being in the red for a while until they find their way? But you're, or is that ever possible, or is it should always have that cash flow? 
You know, in in that regard, uh, everybody's journey is going to be different. I bootstrapped, right? I started from nothing and built something Mm -hmm. out of nothing. So the beauty of doing that as a side hustle Mm -hmm. is you can just spend your time and you can make sales through Facebook and Facebook Messenger and not really need anything, right? So some Mm -hmm. people will get, you know, uh, venture capital and basically have all this borrowed money to try to build a business with and then there's a lot of different ways you can do it, but the way I did it and the way a lot of people probably do it is they bootstrap. Uh, hmm. Bootstrap means you do everything yourself. You don't spend any money unless necessary, uh, but do as much as mm-hmm. you can with – there's a lot of good programs out there and softwares that have free plans. Use all the free plans you hmm. can, and then when you start making money and you need the benefits, then upgrade. So it's not going to be glamorous or pretty at first. It's going to be a little rough, but – that's the way it should be, mm. uh, and get into the black as quick as you can. You know, my first year full-time, <laughs> yeah. I did six figures in revenue, you know, and we were in the black. I was in the black wow. uh, even part-time before I even quit my job, so we already we were a profitable part-time business, uh, good part-time business, you know, and so, um, mm. yeah, I would focus on trying to get profitable as early as you can, mm. even if you're only making a dollar of profit, a month, at right. least, you're like, okay, now I have a foundation to improve upon. So, mm-hmm. definitely, and I think that's great advice. And I think if more people follow that, we can turn around these kind of high failure rate statistics with business. So I think it's amazing to start off where you're making cash or to get there as soon as possible. And yep. uh, and obviously, it's motivating. You know, you're not you're less likely to quit if you're making at least a dollar more. And you, you look at that and say, hey, maybe I'll stick with it, try harder and whatnot, and make it. But you, you mentioned that you made six figures your first year, and, yeah. and that's amazing. And you had that two-hour commute, and, you're, and you were doing that. And, and doing, So wow, when I quit my job, <laughs> yeah, when I quit my job the second time, my, it was about somewhere around uh, almost three years like to the day. It was this week, three mm-hmm. years ago. But when I quit wow. um, my business, so I quit the commute and everything, I, I went full-time from March to December, I generated six hmm. figures in revenue between March and December just working for myself that year. So that first year wasn't even a full calendar year, and we still were able to hmm. do that. So, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it worked, out, it worked out well, but we kind of knew what to expect because we said we, we see hmm. enough of what's working that if we have more time hmm. to do it, we'll be able to generate more. So, Wow, that's amazing. And it's, it's interesting how you talked about um, – you know, people when it comes to time, but you also mentioned time freedom. I've, I've noticed a lot of business owners actually spend a lot of time on their business, maybe 40, 50, 60 hours. And it's interesting. A lot of business owners, I think when they go into business, one of their desires is actual time freedom, but they don't actually yep. get that. So instead of owning a business, the business sort of owns them. And, I, and I, I th- I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about this. Obviously, I don't think that's the ideal way to do it. Uh, why do you think that is? And that may be contributing to the high failure rate of businesses that so many business owners are spending so much time and they burn themselves out. And I, and that's obviously not ideal. What would you say in those, in those, to those kind of entrepreneurs in those situations? Yeah. I mean, a piece of that is uh, there's a few pieces to that. One piece is they're still trying to figure it out, right? They're still trying to figure out Mm. how do I make repeatable sales? What am I doing? And then a big mistake a lot of people make is they wait too long to bring on help. So I don't care who you are or what you do, you can only go so far by yourself. You're one person. You only have 178 hours in a week. You can't get more time. It's impossible. 
Mm-hmm. You should eat, mm-hmm. you should bathe, and you should sleep at some point. So how many hours mm-hmm. can you really work in a week? Right? And it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to get burned out if you try to work 18 hours a day. You know, If you mm-hmm. want to listen to Gary Vee, you're going to look like Gary Vee when you're 45. You're going to look like you're 80 because you're going to work yourself to death. <laughs> so if you can even get part-time help early where you can start teaching mm-hmm. them critical systems and processes to help you build the business, that's how you eventually can step out of it. You can't be in it and work on it at the same time. It's impossible. So in the mm-hmm. beginning, it's going to be a lot more work for you. And if you know how to mm-hmm. hire a team and train them properly and keep them on board, you can start learning, mm-hmm. uh, start teaching them systems and processes so you can start to step out of pieces of it. It's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. when it's done right. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing, but it doesn't happen overnight. Right. And, um, yeah, and I think that's great advice. And uh, it reminds me of the book. I don't know if you read it, E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And he talks about how business owners have to work harder on their business than in their business. And you, you sort of alluded to that or mentioned that. And that's so true. And obviously anyone can burn out if they don't understand that they need to bring in help. And uh, it takes a lot of time to perhaps teach a new person. But then what you get back in return once they're up and running is so much more. Um, in my in my last interview, I think uh, the guest talked about the 30x rule, which um, talked about this, which and I think it's so critical, and I think it's so true, and it's because it gives you that time freedom uh, <laughs> uh, that you that you had desired before that you talked about what you know what you really wanted, and and, and you also talked about having creative freedom, and so that's amazing, and so to have that team around you, and because I think a lot of business owners. Uh, they, they live by the motto, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. And, and obviously, a lot of them, they have that type A personality, so to speak. And it may be hard for them to give up control. They have to sort of delegate and allocate responsibility to others. And maybe it's hard for them to trust others, uh, obviously, as much as they trust themselves. But it's something they have to learn to do if they want their business to obviously grow. Uh, there's only so much one person can do, and that's so true. There's nothing worse than a control freak entrepreneur because his or her team will hate working for him. <laughs> that's that's so true. And it reminds me of when you were working in corporate America and you didn't like the idea of being micromanaged. You wanted to yep. be kind of have responsibility of your own. Even if you weren't being paid more, you still wanted to have that responsibility, something about human beings where they want to have some control over a task and whatnot. And that is so true. Uh, definitely. No one likes working for a control freak. <laughs> so I think that's amazing advice. You know, you don't want to leave a control freak boss to be an entrepreneur or to be a control freak to your employees. I think no. uh, that would be kind of real backwards, so to speak, and, and obviously hypocritical. You mentioned before that um, the importance of relationships. Uh, about You mentioned that Elon Musk example. <laughs> And um, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. I actually, one of the reasons why I started this podcast was so I can build relationships with people and, and network with folks because I think this is actually one of the best ways to network. And uh, so uh, definitely I always tell everyone to have their own podcast because it helps. It, you know, you and I are talking because as a result of it, uh, so to speak. And so I, I definitely believe that that's one of the key ways to build relationships. Uh, not the only way, but I, I consider it the best way. So um, so I'm curious. Now, obviously, you know, you've helped a lot of folks and you've shared a lot of great advice with us. And I'm wondering, 
what other advice would you give um, to entrepreneurs, um, folks who perhaps want to, you know, doing what you do uh, in particular, anyone who's aspiring to say, hey, you know, I want to do what Jason's doing. They want to get involved with marketing, perhaps digital marketing. Um, what tips would you give them? Yeah, uh, tip one is uh, start with higher prices than you feel like you should. Um, there's the worst way to build a business in digital marketing is uh, low ticket, high volume because low ticket leads to the worst clients you can ever imagine. They'll make your life a living hell. So go go higher price than you believe. I remember when I had my price was twenty bucks an hour for consulting. My wife's like, I don't know, seems kind of high. I don't know if anybody pay for that. <laughs> now it's a thousand bucks an hour. You know what it does? It attracts a wow. client. The clients that I work with can literally afford anything I put in front of them without even thinking about it. And that's, that's what I want to work with is they step back mm-hmm. and let me do my thing. They don't have time to micromanage mm-hmm. anybody. So mm-hmm. uh, that's tip one. Tip two is learn to say no and say it every day. If there's a situation, <laughs> it could be a job that you're not sure about, say no. If people are like, mm-hmm. hey, we need to jump on a call on Sunday, say no. Take control over your time. That's, a, that's a, the thing. You think because you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have control over your time. Here's the secret. You only have control over your time if you establish those boundaries and you tell people no. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you do, wow. guess what happens? More people want to work with you. So you're like, man, this guy's busy. This guy must be good. I've got to wait three weeks to talk about spending money with him? Okay, let's do it. So, um, yeah, I'll hear people complain sometimes like, man, I started my own business, so I have more time, and I'm working all weekend. Well, that's your fault, dummy. Tell people no. Like, what are they going to do, mm-hmm. fire you? If, they, if you have a client that fires you, find another one. So, uh, you mm-hmm. know what's it's funny is, as I've been in this for a while, the thought of having one income stream, like as an employee, is mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. That is the scariest, right. craziest proposition I've ever heard of in my life. It makes mm-hmm. no sense at all. I mean, not even in the ballpark of sense. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, anyway. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you dropped a lot of nuggets and gems there, which, which was amazing. You talked about the importance of setting prices, and, and this is advice I've heard before. So many uh, business owners and consultants sell themselves short, but you have to price yourself at what you're worth, or maybe even a little higher than that, because it attracts better clients, because people view high prices with quality. And mm-hmm. the kind of clients that pay high prices are the kind of clients that can afford it. They can, they can do it, and you want those kind of clients. So I think that's great advice. And you talked about the idea of it goes back to that mindset of creative freedom. You know, when you have great clients, they let you do what you what you what you have to do, what you got to do, what you know you have to do, and they're not they're they're not over your shoulder and whatnot. And so that's amazing. And you talked about the importance of uh, time freedom. How a lot of employees make the transition to being entrepreneurs, but they're working even more hours than they did at their at their job which is insane, um, but you're talking about having systems in place. We t- you talked about having that team and whatnot, and, and also the importance of saying no, setting boundaries. You know, the most successful entrepreneurs actually say no quite a lot, uh, and they mentioned this is one of the key, <laughs> key things that, uh, that they do to achieve success. Um, so important, and I think when you say no a lot and you show that posture, that impresses clients a lot. It, it shows to them that you're not desperate. And when they see that confidence and that posture, that makes them actually even more likely, uh, like you had mentioned, to work with you. 
so I think that's so important. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that backwards. Uh, and, you know, when you show posture, it, it impresses uh, potential clients and prospects quite a lot. And you mentioned the danger of having one income stream, and that's the case for a lot of employees. Obviously, you can work for a company, and the company can go out of business, or they can lay you off when revenues are down. <laughs> you know, you hear these stories. And so it's so important that people have that side hustle, that they have um, uh, multiple streams of income. I think that is so important, even if they don't quit their jobs eventually, but just to have side gigs here and there. Uh, I definitely think that's critical. And with the Internet, um, there's so many opportunities available as well. Uh, so I, I think that's so important with websites like Fiverr and, and um, Upwork and whatnot. So definitely thank you so much for that advice. Now, I'm curious, um, if one's an entrepreneur and they need help with marketing, and they could obviously go to you, uh, which I think is a great decision, of course. And but let's say uh, you're on vacation, right? Or <laughs> you, obviously you can't do, you can't handle every firm in the world. I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of business for everyone and whatnot. Let's say for some reason you're not available. Um, what advice would you give to a business owner who needs help with their marketing? Uh, where should they go? Or who should they hire? What should they do? Yeah. So. Um, the nice thing about sites like Upwork, and, and you know, some reason people have a, a bad connotation which are, with it, which they shouldn't, because Upwork's a great lead source for me. I'll probably always always keep my profile up there for that reason. But you want to find a company with social proof, right? You should be able to find testimonials <laughs> somewhere. You should be able to jump on a Zoom call. There's something powerful about mm -hmm. a video call for a new business call because, as humans we draw conclusions about the people we're talking to very, very quickly. I'm saying five, six mm. seconds, something like that. And what you want to look for is a business owner talking to a marketing firm. Does this person seem like they know what they're talking about? Do their mm. words match their body language? Do I feel like they're lying? Do I feel like, uh, you know, mm. they have any idea what I'm, what I need and ask them, are, are mm. you guys doing this work yourself or are you just going to outsource it? Like that's a big deal because I hear the horror stories every single week Mm. about folks who fall down that trap. Um, mm. I would listen for a marketing firm or company or person, uh, see what kind of language they use. Are they talking over my head? Are they speaking to me in language that I understand? That stuff's really important. And your gut mm. after that first call, that video call, uh, will tell you most of what you need to know. So mm. uh, those are some high-level mm. pieces of advice that, that I would offer to anybody who wants to listen. Wow, that's amazing. And obviously, and I think it's great advice because so many business owners often get burned uh, by marketers. Um, unfortunately, the industry probably attracts a lot of kind of charlatans and people who are faking it till they make it, uh, so to speak. Uh, and people have to buy or beware, so to speak. And uh, so you talked about the importance of social proof, uh, about the looking at the reviews. Uh, I, I think there's one website called Angie's List, or there, I guess there's plenty of them, Google or Yelp, what, whatnot, and see what others say about it, about this firm. Um, so important. And, you know, you can't trust the testimonials listed on the, on the website because that could be sort of game, so to speak. Um, so you want to look for that proof. And, uh, and it's interesting. You talked about jumping on a video call, um, a Zoom call uh, with the uh, uh, – possible marketer you may hire as a business owner and so you can see their body language and i think there there is something about a video call because i have been using a lot of zoom calls in my networking 
And I think they are superior to audio uh, phone calls. You get to actually see the person, and they're not distracted. They're focused on you, and you can give them questions and see how they react. And you talked about making sure that they're doing the work. Uh, they're, they're not outsourcing it uh, to someone else. I think uh, that's uh, such important advice. That's going to save a lot of people headaches. And you, know, and you also mentioned that they should talk to, in a, talk, uh, to the uh, business owner in a language they understand, uh, uh, everyday vernacular. And you do that, and you're very skilled at that. Um, earlier, you had explained uh, to the audience what exactly is a sales funnel, in case they didn't know what that was, which is amazing. And uh, not everyone understands the jargon <laughs> of marketers. So I think that's, that's actually great advice. And, um, and also, I guess you, you get what you pay for. You had mentioned before that you charge higher prices so you can get better clients, and that when you charge lower prices, you got worse clients. Do you think that that could work in reverse, where if someone tries to go the cheap route, they, they're, they're more likely to get a bad experience, you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, think of it this way. Think of it in terms of cars. So if you go to, uh, you know, Billy Bob's car lot and you find a, just a really, really inexpensive $250 car, your expectations yeah. realistically can't be that high. But if you go to yeah. the brand-new, you know, Range Rover dealership and buy one right off the showroom floor – uh, maybe that wasn't yeah. the best example, but you're paying more money and you should hopefully get a car that's reliable yeah. for at least three or four years. So uh, Range right. Rovers aren't the, the greatest on maintenance, but you understand the point there. Usually right. you get what you pay for. Definitely. And so that's um, advice uh, people should follow if they're looking for a marketing firm to work with, uh, of course. And uh, so, again, thank you for sharing that great advice. I think it's going to save a lot of people uh, a headache. Uh, so I'm curious, you mentioned um, before a lot of um, important life lessons. Uh, you, you know, you talked about the importance of perseverance. Now, obviously, this was um, directed more towards entrepreneurs and whatnot, but I guess in general, I think it's great advice for folks. Uh, so you talked about the importance of grit, perseverance, and hard work and whatnot, and try harder and, 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 and whatnot. I'm curious, what other life lessons, uh, do you have or that you can share with folks? Uh, you know, building a, a business that sustains, so building a business that makes you proud and, and provides what you needed to, it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. So if you're a person that, you know, maybe you're a formal athlete, you just you really like to challenge yourself, see what you're made of, uh, this is a type of route that can, that can keep things interesting for you because it is ups and downs mm -hmm. and it just really helps you see what you're made of and, Sometimes mm -hmm. you think you are resilient, and then you find yourself in a situation where you feel weak. So, um, you know, you're always being tested, you know, like that. But I guess the biggest life lessons would be patient, be patient, uh, seek advice from those who are where you want to be. So one of the biggest mm -hmm. mistakes I see people make in general, this is just life in general, don't ask mm -hmm. your broke friend financial advice. <laughs> I had a guy the other day give me investment advice on an initial public <laughs> offering. And I know for a fact mm -hmm. this guy's always at least three months behind on all his bills. I'm thinking, why would wow. I take any kind of money-related advice from you? It doesn't make <laughs> sense. So be careful. Yeah. And another thing is be careful who you share your dreams with. And what I mean mm -hmm. by that is most people – I don't come from an entrepreneurial family at all. So most mm -hmm. people you share these type of dreams with are going to try to, mm -hmm. quote-unquote, talk sense into you but really what it boils down to, it's negativity. So you've mm -hmm. got to be, uh, 
you've got to be careful in who you share your dreams with because if you're not, uh, they can take you out, mentally take you out of the game before you even start. Mm. Wow, that's amazing advice. And um, so first you talked about the importance of patience. And you had mentioned earlier that when it comes to starting a business, um, people shouldn't worry about the timeline, so to speak. I think you said something to that effect. And, yep. you know, you just have to keep working on it. And it could take, uh, I think, six months or, or I think you mentioned it could take maybe six or 16 years. And so yep. that patience is key. Uh, as they say, patience is a virtue. Good things happen to those who wait. And you talked about uh, when it, the idea of be careful who you share your dreams with. You had mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, some folks uh, were critical of you when you first left uh, corporate America and said, you know, hey, you should just get a job or whatnot. And, but you, ha- you were able to kind of tune that out, so to speak. And oftentimes it can come from people, like you, like you mentioned, family, friends, people who actually care about. Uh, but they're essentially imposing their limitations on you, and it's just uh, so- something to be careful about. And you, you, but you also have that thick skin when that negativity does hit you, you know, that you're able to repel it. And you were able to do that, of course. You were able to, to some extent, tune that out because, obviously, you made it. And you were able to sort of exit uh, the quote-unquote rat race, so to, so to speak. And you talked about the, the importance of surrounding yourself with successful people or people who are at the level that uh, you wish to attain uh, and getting advice from them and whatnot. You know, Jim Rohn talks about you're the average of the, the five people you spend most of your time with. And I think that's so true. And uh, that, and, and, you know, you want to hang around successful people. And when you do, you learn from them. As Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues, so to speak, breadcrumbs that you can follow. And I think there's a, there's a lot of truth to that, and I totally agree. Um, I'm curious, uh, are there any um, book recommendations that uh, you want to give to folks about marketing, entrepreneurialism, uh, personal uh, development, it, or it could be anything that, that you wish to share with people. Yep. Uh, so I got asked this question, uh, I believe, Monday this week, and I'll give the same answer because I still believe it's the right answer. But Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Uh, it's a timeless classic, but about mindset, motivation, and, and kind of uh, seeing what you're, you're capable of. And then How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, another oldie but goodie. Mm. Okay, great. Both those books are actually, I think, perfect because uh, you'll notice a lot of newer personal development books. They're basically um, based off those books. They're basically recycled and you know packaged and repackaged from those two oldies with goodies, so to speak. And you know, it's it's just a repeat. And so I think people should definitely start with those two books: Think and Grow Rich and Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. So many successful people. Uh, refer to these books uh, when they get the question of, you know, what book should I be reading? So thank you so much for that. And I'm curious, you know, you've lived uh, an interesting life yourself. And would you ever write a book uh, yourself about your own life or about marketing? So I've already got one book published. It's called The Backwards Route to Forward Progress. And I wrote it in the first year to year and a half that I was uh, an entrepreneur with this business. It's more of a mindset marketing book, mm-hmm. but it's still got really uh, tactical, practical uh, advice in it today. So will I write more books? Yeah, I'm sure I will at some point. Uh, and then I've, 
you know, I think maybe you'll ask me about a podcast. As you may know, I've been doing a podcast for about four years now. So like you said earlier, it is a great networking tool. Uh, super valuable if you can get yourself as a guest on other people's podcasts. That's where the real magic happens, but it is all good stuff. Wonderful. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm going to definitely check out that other book. Um, you said the backwards uh, method to forward progress. The backwards um, route to forward progress. Got it. Yep. Uh, sorry, It's for available on Amazon. Um, no, no problem. All right. I'm definitely going to check that book out. I will definitely be getting it. And when the other books come out, I'll be the first online to check them out. We have at least one customer. <laughs> Got there you go. And, Appreciate it. And I will be checking out that podcast. And, and uh, uh, definitely for sure. I have so many podcasts I have to check out, but I will be checking them out. And um, by the way, uh, I, I do agree with you that being guests on other podcasts does help. And uh, I've been invited on as a guest other podcasts, but I've actually declined because I don't think I'm at that level of success where I need to be to be a guest on a podcast. But nope, I that's limited. We're going to dive into that. That is, you're setting limitations yes. on yourself that aren't real. So mm-hmm. that negative self-talk saying, I'm not worthy, I'm not ready, you got to stop doing that and start mm-hmm. saying yes. All right. Well, I'm going to, you know what, I'll, I'm, I'm going to take you off on that advice. And I will put my Right here in front of your listeners, we're going to hold you accountable. you got to do it now. Yeah, I will. And I'll maybe I can be a guest on your show or maybe I can be a guest on another podcast. I, I know of plenty of podcast hosts and I am gonna do that in the near term and I am gonna follow your advice. And thank you for calling. Everybody me starts in the same place, my friend. Everybody starts in the same yes. place. Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. ever feels ready. I shouldn't be. Right. <laughs> That's so true. And what's the worst that can happen? Right. I can't get booed off the stage. I mean, there's no, no. there's no live audience. And even, if, even, <laughs> even if you did, at least you made it on the stage. <laughs> That's so true. Kevin, Kevin so, Hart used to get booed off the stage. Really? Huh. You ever hear his story? His, wow. You should listen to his, uh, his journey up through comedy. It was a rough start, but the dude just would not stop. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. You know, and um, and I heard Jim Carrey also got booed off the stage when uh, when he was starting off as a performer. Yep. So that's uh, thank you so much for that, and I will take you up on that. And I have to be careful about these automatic negative thoughts. They call them ants, and you got to stomp these ants. And uh, so it's so important. You know, as Henry Ford said, you know, if you think you can do it, you can. If you if you don't think you can do it, you can't. And so I think Correct. there's a lot to that. So. I am going to be a podcast uh, guest, and uh, I'm going to figure out a show to go on, and I'm going to do it. And so thank you so much for that. And the other thing is, um, obviously, you've given us a lot of great advice, and you've given me advice, uh, and you're going to hold me accountable, and you called me out, and I like that a lot. Um, And accountability is so important. I'm curious. Um, can you describe all the ways that um, people can get in touch with you if they want to use your services or know someone wants to use your services or to put a dynamic center of influence in their network? Yeah, I uh, appreciate you asking. Uh, intentionallyinspirational.com is kind of our front porch. Um, and there's obviously a little bit about what we do uh, as a team and what I can do for people individually. And everything really starts with a, a quick phone call. So there's a big old call to action button right on the home page that invites people to book a 20-minute call with me, and we'll see where it goes. 
Wonderful. All right. And that uh, information you just shared with us will be listed in the episode description box so people can see it and read it there. Got it. And so it'll be there. So, again, I want to uh, go ahead and thank you for being a guest on the show. Um, This conversation blew away my expectations, and I wanted to uh, thank the audience uh, for listening. Uh, Thank you, guys. And I was going to go ahead and give you the last word or final send-off. Is there anything else you want to mention? Uh, I would just encourage people to, to go after their dreams, right? There's nothing worse than to get to the end of your life and have regret. Don't have regret because you didn't take a chance on something. So there you go. Thank you so much for that. That's incredible advice. And thank you again to the audience for listening. I'm going to see you guys in the next episode. Everyone, have a wonderful day. Take care, and bye-bye. Hey, guys, before you go, just real quick, um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcast app, and if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, If you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, So uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a a five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, app. Uh, That would be great. And if you can email us so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise, that would be amazing. Uh, Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.